Hello, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the May 25th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. As always, today's show is brought to you by my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. You can learn more about me, our clients, and the services that we provide at my website, and that is JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. Also on that website, there is a Local Matters tab. Uh, if you click on that tab, you can see and listen to any show uh, that I have done on Local Matters. Uh, I find that very helpful. You can also share those episodes with others who may benefit from the information that we provide. As you would imagine, today is the day when we focus on the elections that just took place in the state of Georgia on yesterday. We had a number of items on the ballot, um, both at the state level, the local level, and additionally, we had uh, uh, races on the ballot on the federal level, in particular, U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate. So there were lots of choices to be made. And today I'll sort of talk through uh, the choices that we made here in some of those local races. If we have some additional time, we may get into some state races as well. Uh, but this is really, again, through the theme of local matters to focus on those things that happen at the local level. And I will warn you in advance that there is so much to unpack about these elections that we're starting today. We may actually carry over until next week. Uh, we'll just have to see how that goes and you know how much we can discuss. Um, we are going to start off first by taking a look at our voter turnout. Uh, we know that's always key. Uh, last time around um, uh, for the mayor's race, I just pulled up some statistics so we could get familiar and put uh, yesterday's turnout into context. If we go back to the last three mayoral elections, one was on was in 2010. At that point, the mayoral election was actually in November. And at that time, the turnout for the mayoral election was 49.5%. So almost half of the registered voters in Augusta voted for mayor uh, during the 2010 mayoral election, which of course was won by Deke Copenhaver. Next mayoral election, 2014, the turnout dropped from 49.5% to 30%. And that was the race in which Hardy Davis won his first ter term as mayor of Augusta. Subsequently, in 2018, when Mayor Davis was running for re-election, uh, the turnout dropped again down to 26.15.15%. So we've seen uh, from 2010, uh, it dropping every election, actually went up a little bit this time around in 2022. Turnout yesterday was 28.22%. 
um, which is still lower than obviously it needs to be for elections of this significance. Because we've got to think, not only were we voting for mayor, we were voting for judges, commissioners. Um, we were voting for a lot of people who make a difference uh, at the local and state levels. And uh, we only had 28.22% of our registered voters in Richmond County turn out. Um, now, having thought through that, I looked at some individual precincts. You know, I love data because I love providing you with uh, substantive information. I don't like to just jump off the top of my head with stuff. So I actually went to the AugustaGA.gov website. If you go there on the home page, there is a link that you can click to get election results. So that's the most uh, efficient way to get there is go to that website. Uh, once you get there, you click on that link, it takes you to another site, but that site has all of the voting information. You can go and search by races and you can search by precinct. Uh, you can also search by maps. You can take a look at the various maps to see which districts are where. So when you do that, uh, you can get almost all the information that you feel like you need about this election. And that's exactly what I was doing last night from the time uh, the results start coming in, a little after seven, you know, post-close at seven, a little after seven, I start checking. And I was checking continuously. Uh, I had guessed that they would have all the votes tallied up around 1030, which was about the case. Maybe 10, I think 1038 was the first time that I saw them, uh, which is to say we should also be very appreciative of our Richmond County Board of Regist Voter Registration and Elections because I think they got this done rather efficiently. So I took a look at that and you could always look up at the top and you could see how many of the precincts were fully reported. There are 68 precincts in Richmond County and you could always look and keep a running tally so where we were in the election. Um, I looked again this morning just to look at a few precincts, of course, didn't get a chance to check all 68. Uh, but as I looked at those, um, I saw some precincts, the highest particular turnout I saw was in District 3, which is not to say it's the highest overall, it was just the highest that I clicked on. District 3, Precinct 4, 304, Covenant Presbyterian Church, they had a turnout of 51.4%. I believe that is up Walton Way, if I've got the right church in mind, uh, past Somerville, past Forest Hills, headed toward um, uh, Walton Way Extension, uh, headed up in that direction, 51.4% turnout. The lowest of the ones that I opened was District 8, Precinct 803. Uh, they voted Jamestown Community Center, which is one of our split precincts. Um, they have both District 4 voters and District 8 voters voting at Jamestown Community Center. In Precinct 803, their turnout was 6.99%. So uh, one of the reasons probably is because they didn't have a, a commission race. Uh, there is a candidate, uh, but he was running unopposed, hence creating very low turnout in that district. So if you think about that, lowest 69 highest 51, and then the average, the overall turnout wind up being 
percent for this uh, contest with all of these races on, which tells a story in and of itself. We're going to explore that more fully next week. Um, I am. I have invited Marion Brown. She is the president of the League of Women Voters of the CSRA. Uh, voter turnout, turnout is one of the issues that they're concerned about. So we're going to talk in greater detail uh, with Marion Brown about that. Uh, and then uh, we'll also unpack some of the other uh, fascinating things about this particular election on yesterday. Also, um, other observations that I want to share with you. Uh, one, you know, from time to time, I'm a guest on other programs. I was actually a guest on the Drop the Disc podcast, as in Drop the Disc from Disgusta. Uh, they have been running a very positive podcast for the last couple of years, uh, and I was a guest on that show. I talked some about election observations in advance. You can find that on Apple Podcasts. I talk about these turnout numbers in previous elections and a few other things about um, how important it is that we provide guidance through voting to local government organizations because they provide services that are so critical to you. So please, if you get a chance, go check it out. Uh, also, um, as you would imagine, I have been gathering questions. My phone has been pretty busy uh, with my friends texting me uh, various thoughts, observations, and questions over the since uh, the results were known last night. Actually, it started while the results were still coming in around 8 30, 9 o'clock, and then on through to right before I went on the air today, I was hearing questions and comments from uh, folks that I know well and I know who are watching these races. Uh, one of the questions I want to get straightened out very early on in advance is that you understand why we have runoffs. Um, some people were looking at the numbers and they would say, well, that candidate got the most votes, so hasn't he or she won? And the answer is no, they haven't, because according to Georgia law, you have to get 50% of the vote plus one vote in order to avoid a runoff. And in several instances, as we'll get through, uh, there were they didn't get enough. They might have been at 45%, 48 49%, I think one candidate was. Um, but they're still going to have to go through a runoff because they didn't get that 50% plus one. Uh, Georgia law is set up not for a plurality of votes, but for a majority of votes. So you always remember that unless that candidate gets to 50% plus one vote, they're still going to have to go through a runoff, which means all of us are going to have to go back to the polls. Next question, when is the runoff election? Runoff election date is June 21st. Which is to say, even if your candidate was in the lead, um, you, it is still incumbent upon you to get back out to the polls because on runoff election day, we are starting over from scratch. It's like you at a zero, zero tie again. So June 21st is the day that we'll have to return to the polls. Early voting for that election should begin no later than June 13th, which is a couple of weeks before. It's that uh, Monday, two weeks before. So that is when you can go in to um, start uh, the advanced voting process for the runoff election. You are also able to get absentee ballots. Let's say you're not going to be in town, don't have that opportunity due to work, what have you. You can get an absentee ballot. And the last day to submit an application for an absentee ballot is June 10th. So please take a look at that 
Georgia Secretary of State My Voter Page System. The absentee ballot application is there. You can go there, submit your request for an absentee ballot, but get that done before June 13th. If you don't get it done before that time, um, you're going to have to either do advanced voting or vote on the day of the runoff, which is June 21st, which is what am I saying to you? What I'm saying is this is not over. Uh, there are several races. We'll get into those where they're going to be runoffs. And if you really want to be a part of the decision making process, you're going to have to get back out for those runoffs. OK, having said all that, uh, Janice is tries to be not always, but tries to be the person that is willing to admit when she is wrong. Um, I haven't said much on air about predictions because I just don't like to, to do that. I don't like to bias your thinking uh, with my thinking. That's not fair to you, not fair to me. But now that it's over, I can tell you some of the areas where I was just absolutely wrong and what I was thinking. There are two races where I missed the, the mark. One was the District 6 uh, commission race. Um, there were three competitors in that race, Mario Taylor, Jeremy Johnson and Tony Lewis. I had a conversation with a close friend as late as 5.30 p.m. on yesterday. And she watches politics as much as I do. And she and I were both in complete agreement that there was going to be a runoff in District 6 between Jeremy Johnson and Tony Lewis. I mean, we, we just knew there was no way anybody would win that race outright and we were wrong. So hats off to Mr. Lewis. Congratulations on your victory. Uh, Mr. Lewis came in with 51.38% of the vote, uh, which means I did the math on that. And I think that means that uh, if he had gotten 53 less votes, that would have been a runoff. If he had 53 fewer votes, to correct myself grammatically, there would have been a need for a runoff in that race. But he got those 53 votes, so he doesn't have to go to a runoff. Uh, he will be seated as a member of the Augusta Commission starting on January 1st of 2023. Uh, Jeremy Johnson ran a, a good race, uh, got 36.48% of the vote. Uh, one of the things that I noted about Jeremy was that there were an awful lot of people who were impressed with him. But as I think about it, those people who were impressed, uh, who told me that they were impressed, didn't necessarily live in District 6. Uh, there were people living in District 1, District 3, District 5. Uh, so while they really liked him, they didn't have an opportunity to vote, vote for it. So um, that was also complicated by the fact that the boundaries of that district changed. Uh, there are people who previously would have been in that district and could have cast a, cast a vote for him um, that couldn't this time around. So everything worked out for Mr. Lewis and his campaign manager, James Germany, big salute to him. Uh, he was one of the hardest working campaign managers, hardest working and well-organized campaign managers that uh, I have encountered just in my small dealings with him uh, through the appearance on this show, some candidate forums that I saw them at. Um, they did a great job. Congratulations to them by surprising me and probably surprising many others. Next big surprise that I got was in the civil and magistrate court judge race. Uh, for that, that slide is chief judge, uh, currently held by Judge Carletta Sims Brown. Um, in that race, I have to admit, I was shocked. Many others were as well. Uh, I was I had somebody on the phone this morning at 7 a.m. And we talked about a lot of things. But the first thing out of her mouth was, 
how did Cottrell Nash lose that? Because that person, like I, was convinced that uh, Cottrell had the momentum and was going to win that thing. Um, she put out a lot of literature. She walked the streets, the neighborhoods, um, seemed to be enthusiastic and, and was running a great campaign. Um, but at the same time, the other candidate, who was the incumbent, Judge Brown, also ran an outstanding campaign. Um, I, on Sunday afternoon, I drove up to the Kroger on Washington Road. And I looked up and I saw her husband, Augusta General Counsel Wayne Brown, standing on a street corner with a big sign and a hat, wide brim hat, sweating uh, to help his wife get elected to that job. And it worked. Uh, I found out later on that Judge Brown herself was sweating up the street. Uh, in addition to doing the hard work on the street, they also ran high quality television commercials. And it seemed like in this instance, both of those candidates were certainly capable of doing the job. Uh, I didn't have any question about that. It, however, is now obvious that the voters were looking for someone with experience in this role, and they therefore cho chose the incumbent Carletta Sims Brown um, to do that job, to continue to do that job for Richmond County. So those were the two big things that caught me by surprise with this election. Also, uh, want to point out um, some things that are, are notable, but not so surprising. Uh, we look at this notion of runoffs that I addressed earlier. I think there are three races, if I'm not mistaken, where they're going to be runoffs for mayor of Augusta. You've got Stephen Kendrick, who was the leading vote getter, just by only 210 votes, if you can imagine that. Uh, Garnett Johnson came in right, right on his heels. In fact, it's so close that I'm considering this a dead heat. Um, and the two of them are now looking forward to a runoff election on June 21st, as I mentioned earlier. Super District 10, which represents half of the county. There is also a runoff election coming in that race. Um, there you'll see the incumbent, who is John Clark, against Wayne Guilfoyle, who uh, most recently stepped down from the commission. He was uh, representing District 8 for eight years, now running for that super district. The two of them are go going to a runoff. Um, some folks were a little surprised that uh, Mr. Clark was able to earn that many votes. He got 49% of the votes. So, 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 so close uh, to not having to make the runoff, but he is going to have to do it. And I think one of the things that has buoyed his campaign is that he has been very vocal in opposition to some of the things that have happened, some of the more um, uh, controversial things that have happened in the city of Augusta over the last few years since he's been in office. And I think his role as uh, the opposition, so to speak, as the rebel, so to speak, has benefited him uh, to the extent that he almost won this thing uh, out and out against Wayne Guilfoyle, who frankly uh, also was very popular during his tenure representing District 8. Uh, Wayne was known as a common sense sort of person, and that's been the theme of his reelection campaign. Um, so it's going to be pretty interesting to see how this unfolds. You've got the common sense businessman against the person who has been in rebellion against some of the things that have transpired, and it'll be a really interesting uh, 
revelation for us as to how the voters of District 10 uh, portray those two candidates when they, I'm sorry, June 21st runoff day. Uh, next, District 2 got a runoff between the two women who were in the race. I think there were six candidates in that race. Only two women, uh, they emerged at the top. However, Stacey Pulliam wound up with a significant uh, number of votes, a great deal more than her challenger, who is Dr. Vaughn uh, Pouncey. Uh, Pulliam's got over 45%. Pouncey was in the teens. Uh, but again, there's this theme of starting over once you get to a runoff. It doesn't matter how many votes that they had yesterday. What's going to matter is how many people turn out to the polls and how many votes they get for June 21st. Also, um, the Augusta Chronicle pointed out uh, in their article today something I completely agree with. Um, they said that, you know, being a leader in a runoff means next to nothing. And being a leader in a primary election wins next to nothing, means next to nothing. I'm sorry, let me get that straight. Being the vote, leading vote getter in the primary means next to nothing when you have to go to a runoff. Because many times the person who is the leading vote getter winds up losing in the runoff. We've seen it happen time and time again. Last time for commission races, it happened three times. It happened in District 1 when uh, Jordan Johnson beat Michael Thurman. It happened in District 9 when Francine Scott beat Corey Johnson. And it happened in District 3 when Catherine Smith McKnight beats Sean Mooney. So they are literally starting over from scratch. I want everybody to understand this. Um, when you are in a runoff, I want to point to some of those factors, particularly as it relates to the mayor's race, because that is the only uh, county-wide race or Augusta-wide race where there's going to be a runoff. I took a quick look at those numbers. Uh, there were only 35,690 votes cast in the mayor for mayor. I just went through and added up the votes for each candidate. And that's what I got, 35,690. Uh, Garnett Johnson got 13,848. Stephen Kendrick got 14,000 and change. Um, and that means that there are 7,784 votes that are up for grabs. Those are the votes that went to those other candidates. Um, this is also a situation where, you know, since Garnett Johnson, 38%, Stephen Kendrick, 39%, that means over 60% of the folks who went to the polls didn't support either candidate. So they've got a lot more votes to go through uh, since they each got less than 40%. There are a lot more people that they've got to reach out to in order to get to the magical 50% plus one. Um, also, I would like to point out that if my math is correct, there are 129,231 registered voters in Richmond County. Only 35,690 voted uh, cast ballots for mayor. That means that there are 92,761 folks for them to go after next time around. So we could wind up uh, with the same people coming back to vote, or we could wind up with totally different people coming back to vote. And 92,000 folks, the one, the number who didn't vote was is a whole lot larger than the ones who did. So mobilizing voters, gathering the support of those other candidates who were not successful, all of that is going to make a huge, huge difference. And uh, who knows what we're going to wind up and who's going to be mayor as of June 21st. Also, 
but I'm gonna take a look at a couple more races before we have to close out for today. Um, looking at Superior Court Judge, this was one of the most significant races just because of Superior Court Judges um, play such a huge role in our criminal justice system, going from divorces, felony cases, uh, civil cases. There's so many important things that they handle uh, that impact our quality of life. And um, what I had thought turned out to be right um, is that the two incumbents would win. Uh, as I watched the two incumbents over the course of the election, it became quite apparent that uh, Judge Ashley Wright is smart, strategic, surgical in her approach. It was like every time I saw her, including her appearance on Local Matters, as well as at the various campaign forums, every time she spoke, it was like she was giving a closing argument for the defense. Uh, she capitalized on her strengths. She knew how to downplay what might be considered her weaknesses. And she raised a ton of money. She got major endorsements. She did TV commercials. Uh, she had lots of signs out. I mean, and the other thing that I noticed as I talked to people was she hadn't offended anybody. Uh, there were a lot of uh, people who felt good about the service that she's provided to our community historically. There are a lot of people who felt like she's a compassionate judge and people who felt like that she was an excellent attorney at the time that she was practicing law. So she was almost unbeatable. She emerged with over 70% of the vote. I think it was around 73% in Richmond and Burke counties combined. So um, she was almost an impossible candidate to beat. Jesse Stone was tough to beat in a different sort of way. Uh, when you saw him in public, um, excuse me, hopefully he'll forgive me for saying this and not be offended, but he wasn't overwhelming uh, when you saw him, um, but he ran a, a steady, it was like the tortoise, tortoise in the hair almost. I mean, it was just kind of slow, steady, uh, very deliberate approach to campaigning. Um, I saw him at, um, I saw him uh, at the candidate forums of course, he appeared on local matters. Uh, he responded directly to the questions always, whenever they were posed to him, that was one good thing. Uh, next good thing is I couldn't go to Facebook. I can go to my mailbox. Um, it got to the point that same trip that I talked about up to Crow on Washington Road, uh, Jesse Stone had, uh, one of his team members out handing out literature there while I was doing my grocery shopping. I came back to my vehicle and there it was a Jesse Stone um, uh, postcard. So uh, he just, he used his money. Well, he raised a good bit of money, he did raise more than his opposition. He used that money effectively. Um, he focused on the character, he would mention that every time. What do you look for, Judge? You look for character. And he gave you the sense that he had good character by the fact that he was so humble in his delivery and his approach. So we'll wind up with an Augusta Judicial Circuit that looks like it does today uh, as a result of the smart campaigns that those folks ran. I'm going to touch on a couple of other races and we're going to have to close out. I think we're going a little bit past two o'clock today, but not much. Um, the uh, next race I want to talk about is uh, state court judge 
Um, also, I wasn't surprised. He had two attorneys uh, running against each other, uh, one younger, one older. And I know that there is a persistent feeling in the legal community based upon the fact that I have friends who are attorneys and they talk about this stuff. There is the feeling that the older attorneys are sort of being pushed aside for the younger ones. Uh, in this race, that seemed to be the case. Um, the voters did not so much go for experience, although uh, Judge now seemed to be Judge-elect or Judge-elect Pounds is, she has experience. It's not just that she's not fresh out of law school. I want everybody to understand that. Um, but again, she seemed to be well-funded. Uh, when she came out to campaign for him, she'd have a phalanx of supporters uh, there with her. Um, she also got out a lot of literature. In fact, I want to say on that same trip to Kroger, there was some literature from her on my car as well. So um, she knew how to campaign or surrounded herself with people who knew how to campaign. And uh, she won a relatively narrow victory, uh, but it was a victory nonetheless. Quickly, we've talked about District 10, in fact, the runoff is coming. We've talked about District 2, uh, the fact that a runoff is coming. District 4, uh, there were only two candidates in the race, so there's no need for a runoff. Uh, incumbent Alvin Mason won a handy victory there. Um, pretty simply, I think, because he was more visible in the community. Uh, he didn't take advantage of every opportunity he had to present himself, but he took advantage of a lot of those opportunities. And we all know that he is well-spoken. He knows he's a smart guy. He knows local government. He's familiar with the issues. And he was able to convey that effectively to the voters and won a relatively painless victory uh, in that race for District 4. So in that respect, too, the Augusta Commission will remain uh, the same uh, in going into January 1st. So that's what we got. Um, quickly mentioning all of those races. Next week, as I said, uh, my guest will be Marion Brown. Uh, she is soon to be the outgoing president of the Augusta CSRA League of Women Voters. Also, of course, a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sports Incorporated. I got to throw that in. Uh, she's been extremely active in our community over a number of years. Um, she's going to lend some expertise um, based upon the role and the mission of the League of Women Voters and uh, talk to us about turnout, uh, what went wrong with the turnout. Like I said, I had a ton of text messages last night going, how in the world can we have a 28% turnout for this thing? Have people become that apathetic? So we're going to talk through uh, all of that. You all, thank you so much for being a part of the Local Matters family. As you can tell from my enthusiasm, I love what I do. I love Augusta. And we're going to continue working with you to make sure that Augusta is the best place that it can be. So long. Have a blessed week, everyone. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics.
Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.